Well, hello again, friends. Welcome back to the Bookshop Chronicles. As always, my name is Brandy, and I am so happy to talk to you today. It has been a hot minute, hasn't it? The last time I posted an episode was on September 28th. Holy crap, that was a whole month that I did not post an episode. So it is time. Now, let me just say that the last episode was with my friend Melissa Ahmed, and your response to that episode has been outstanding. If you have not yet listened to it, please stop this right now, go back and listen to that episode because it is an absolutely fabulous period of time. I'm so grateful for that conversation and for all of your feedback. Melissa is wonderful and she will be back because what she said and how she communicated her thoughts and feelings and history resonated with so many of you. And I am very excited to say that yes, Melissa will be back again one day very soon. So stay tuned for that. And we do have some really fun conversations coming up in episodes very soon. But for now, this one, my friends, will be all about the books. So if I have been off for a whole month and I have not been podcasting, what the heck have I been doing? I have been reading. Yes, I have. So I am going to break down today just some of the titles that I read. October was a wickedly awesome reading month for this girl. I read 11 books this last month and I am ready to break them down for you. Okay, in no particular order, here we go. All right, I read a book called A Spindle Splintered, which is number one of a Fractured Fables series by Alex E. Harrow. Now, if you have been paying attention to this podcast, you know that Alex E. Harrow, author of 10,000 Doors of January and Once in Perfect Witches, is one of my favorite writers. The way she creates stories, her imagery, her language, and her writing style is just beautiful. So when I heard that she was creating these little nuggets of fairy tale retellings, I thought, mm, hell yeah, I am down for that. So I grabbed this one just as soon as I could. This is a feminist or female empowered retelling of Sleeping Beauty. And it is a tiny little thing. It is not too much. You could read this in a day, which I encourage you to do because who wants to put a book down when it is this small? Come on. And it was fun. It was just light and breezy. And it also gave me a way to rethink fairy tales in a way that I was really excited about. She has such a fun, fresh take on old ideas. And in her hands, these fractured fairy tales are brilliant. So A Spindle Splintered by Alex E. Harrow is fun. It is light. If you love fairy tales, if you especially love Sleeping Beauty, the idea of who is the villain and who is not may be mixed up for you after reading this book, which I love. So go grab this one. It is awesome. Okay, another book that I read was called When Sparks Fly by Helena Hunting. Okay, this is a romance book. This is not typically a genre that I dive into. This is not my jam. 
They're so formulaic. They're they're often just so two-dimensional. I know what's coming, I, and I often don't care. So, and I don't really also like a really open door romance, which means that I am seeing into their very intimate, very detailed, graphically descriptive romance sessions. I don't need to hear about all the body parts and where they go. You get me? So that is not interesting to me. And I kind of felt that When Sparks Fly was a little bit open door, a little bit closed, but frankly, just not interesting enough to me. It was a very predictable format. Avery is a woman who has it all going on. I mean, she is all the things. And you wonder, why is a girl like this single? Right. Then her best friend is Declan. And they are also roommates. Yeah, you know where this is going. So Declan is, of course, gorgeous. He's a player. He's all the things. They've always had a very best friend kind of relationship, brother, sister, no lines crossed. She gets into an accident and needs somebody to help care for her. Well, Declan feels some responsibility and being the guy that he is, he steps up to the plate. The lines are crossed and the friendship is now compromised. Yeah, it was, ugh, it was just not my jam. I didn't care. I really have a hard time with romance characters who are on these extremes. So gorgeous, so smart, so successful, and so single. I, really, can we just have an average, maybe flawed character? Maybe they've got some quirks or there's something that's very, I don't know, mundane or relatable about their presence and their character. I mean, do they have to be Ken and Barbie? Really? Ugh. Okay, When Sparks Fly by Helena Hunting. If you love romance, you might enjoy this. It had a little bit of the rom-com idea about it, but it just didn't have enough of the calm. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that was not a huge hit for me, but I'm always trying to dabble into other genres, so I gave it a try. Another one that I read was called Flower Crowns and Fearsome Things by Amanda Lovelace. This is her latest book of poetry. Amanda Lovelace has written a number of feminist slanted poetry books that I found were really fun and enlightening and fresh. Uh, they were really good. Books like The Princess Saves Herself in this one and The Witch Doesn't Burn in this one, those kinds of things. So she focuses on fairy tale ideals and then she plays with those characters and redoes them in a way that a modern audience is going to grab onto. I really liked those. I like the way she did it. It was fun and engaging and her poetry style was fresh and different and light and there were some very poignant parts in it. However, flower crowns and fearsome things, not really my jam. I felt like this book was too rushed. It did not hit the marks that I think it wanted to. And honestly, this book is also half the size that it appears because every other page has one of two illustrations on it. So there are only poetry, um, there's only poetry text on every other page. That's a half a book, y'all. And I get it. I get that she was talking about how women are both strong and soft, and there are valuable and honorable parts in both of those to make us a whole creature of awesomeness. I get it. That is totally true. 
but I think this format was just, it was just not what it should have been or could have been and a little bit disappointing to me. So Flower Crowns and Fearsome Things by Amanda Lovelace, not really what I had hoped for. But let's talk about some books that really were outstanding, shall we? Okay. Okay. First of all, I want to go back a little bit into some backlist because you know I love me some backlist. Uh, the Paying Guests by Sarah Waters. This was so good. So it is set in about 1920s London and Francie and her mother have to take in tenants so they can pay for their life because her father is gone and they just can't make ends meet. So they have this big house and they decide they're going to take in lodgers who will help pay for their life. Um, in come Lillian and Leonard Barber. They come in to be short-term tenants and, well, very quickly they change up the entire pace of the household there is passion, lust, betrayal, deadly consequences, incredibly written characters. Oh man, Sarah Waters can write. This book had me all the way through. I think, actually, that's not 100% true. So there was a little bit after I was in in about 80% of the book, I got lost in the weeds there for a little bit, but then very quickly, she had me back, and wow, this this one was something that I think everybody should read. This would be a fabulous book club discussion book, by the way, if you're looking for suggestions for that. It was awesome. Sarah Waters is a writer who, if you know her, you love her. If you have not heard of her, by all means, grab the paying guests. You will not be sorry. So, so good. Okay, and... Right after that, I read a book which, oddly enough, felt a little bit similar. The Tenant of Wildfell Hall by Anne Bronte. Now this is super backlist, y'all. I mean, this is a Brontes. This is this is not the last 10 years. This is, woo, this is old. I love me some real backlist books. Okay, The Tenant of Wildfell Hall is a story of Helen who is running away and trying to get some respite from her terrible marriage. She becomes a mysterious tenant in this isolated mansion and the community is very curious about her. Who is she? What is she doing there? Why is she by herself? Scandal ensues, romance occurs. It is so beautifully written. I mean, can we just give and Bronte some applause here. This is such a fabulous book. I know that her sister gets a lot of attention. I know, I know. Wuthering Heights is great. The schools are applauding it. It's classic, sure. But the tenant of Wildfell Hall deserves some attention. Please, please give this book a shot. If you are looking for some classic, even put like Victorian era style writing, please, please pick up Anne Bronte. You will not be disappointed. The Tenant of Wildfell Hall. I do not want to give you too many spoilers or to tell you too much about it, except to say it is an incredibly satisfying read. I was thrilled to dive in, to just sit on some of the words that she used and say, oh, nicely done, Anne. 
That is classy. It, she just has such a way about her. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Okay. Here's another one I loved. And this surprised the crap out of me. It's a book by James Patterson. I know. I'm surprised too. I am not a huge fan of Mr. Patterson because I find his short chapters, his choppy bits of narrative, very tedious. However, The Last Days of John Lennon, which is a part rock biography, part true crime novel, was fabulous. Now, here's the fun thing about this book. I listened to the audio version of this book. And what it does is it goes all the way through John Lennon's life from his childhood right through all the Beatles years and the Yoko Ono years and all the way to his death. Brilliant. I learned so much I did not know. It was wonderful. Every single time they mentioned a Beatles song, y'all, I stopped that and I played the song. I got such an immersive Beatles experience and I really got to appreciate what it was that he brought to the table musically, creatively. I mean, I kind of knew he was a musical genius and that he added a lot and he changed the face of music. I kind of heard that, but I never really appreciated it before. So, Wow, The Last Days of John Lennon. If you want to know a little bit about Mark David Chapman and his story, because that is woven through too as he's preparing to shoot John Lennon. Um, it's woven through John Lennon's story as he ages and goes through all of the years, all of the tumultuous times, all of the success. Um, wow. I really, I'm still thinking about this book. I'm playing the songs every now and then and I'm revisiting what this book was actually about and it was really a tribute to a legacy that we all are familiar with but maybe don't know in detail. So I am very grateful that I listened to The Last Days of John Lennon by James Patterson. I mean sometimes you just gotta give everybody a shot you know. Okay I have one more to tell you about. Okay so this one is called Rock, Paper, Scissors by Alice Feeney. Now this is not a backlist title. This is Alice Feeney's latest book. She is very good at the domestic suspense thriller um, genre. And this was super fun. I could not anticipate or predict what was going to happen. And I love that. I love how masterfully Alice Feeney uses her characters to tell different versions of the story and you think you are getting the same story but no 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 you are not okay so the premise of this one is Adam is married to Amelia they decide to go away for an anniversary weekend to this remote Scottish mansion and their marriage is having a hard time they have gone through some things and they are thinking this is the last ditch effort. If this weekend does not work, that's it y'all. They are done. So there are some quirks in their relationship. First of all, Adam is a well-known writer. He, he has face blindness. 
he does not remember people or who they are. So he can hear their voice and he gets that, but he looks at their face and he says, mm, and you are? <laughs> he does not remember his own wife, people he meets. So his wife is very, very good at telling him when they go places, this is Tim. He is the guy that edited your book. This is so-and-so. It's because he needs her help. So she's very helpful for this. It also sets up the idea that, huh, if he has face blindness, he could be easily manipulated. And then you wonder, oh, is he being the manipulator? Dun-dun-dun. There are so many things in this book that are not at all what I thought. It is very, very well done. Amelia writes him a letter every year on their anniversary, but she never shares it with him. Throughout the course of this book, you hear every letter that she has written to him. She's very honest. I mean, if I was Adam, I frankly would not want to be getting these letters because she's very honest, but it is a really good behind the scenes way of moving the narrative along. And you think, oh man, I think I know what's happening. Let me tell you, you do not. It is such a good read. And I really enjoyed the whole idea of the Scottish remote isolation idea. There's a bit of a, a ghostly kind of element and it's just, it's just so creative. So I enjoyed the heck out of this one. It was the perfect book at the perfect time. Thank you, Alice Feeney for Rock, Paper, Scissors. This was great for me. Okay. Another great read was The Lincoln Highway by Amar Tolles. Now this is Amar Tolles' newest book. He is very well known for The Gentleman in Moscow, which has been universally accepted as one of the best books ever. He wrote The Rules of Civility, which was great. Not as good as The Gentleman in Moscow, but it was good. And there was an awful lot of excitement about his new book. The Lincoln Highway tells the story of Emmett, who is getting out of juvenile detention, or I guess it's like juvenile prison. And he gets home only to find out that, oh, his parents are gone, and he is now going to be taking care of his eight-year-old brother. They decide they are going to go on a road trip to try and find their mom. Well, this road trip becomes something you did not anticipate. The characters that they pick up along the way, the awareness, the trouble, the hijinks. Oh my goodness. It was great. So many perspectives, so many timelines, and yet not at all overwhelming. Well done, Amar Tolls. This is a big book. It is not for um, quick reads, but it is a very compelling, awesome story. The characters are stellar, and as always, his writing is off the charts. Okay, we are going to return to our book reviews in a hot minute, but first of all, it's time for an ad break. Wait, what? Brandy, you said you're not going to have any ads on your podcast. That is why I listen to you, Brandy. What are you doing putting an ad in here? I know, I know, my friend. <laughs> it's not really an ad. Actually, this episode is brought to you by The Pedal Club. The Pedal Club is Daisy Chain Book Company's monthly book subscription. You want to have a surprise book delivered to your door? 
Yeah, you do. You want to have a local business product supplied right into that package? Yeah, you do. The Pebble Club is a great way for us to create a community of readers and support local businesses that we love by providing readers with a book that we hope they love and something new from a local business that we hope they support. It has been awesome. Our Pedal Club community is wonderful. We have a few Pedal Club get-togethers throughout the year. There are perks that only Pedal Clubbers get. It is brilliant. It is $25 a month. That's it. And you sign up for six months at a time. If you want more information, go to daisychainbook.co and look for Pedal Club. Now, back to the book reviews. Okay, I have a confession. I just discovered I have been talking into the wrong side of my microphone this entire podcast. My apologies if the first part of it sounded a little bit tinny because I screwed up. This is how you know that my podcast is entirely driven by me. I'm flawed. I do not do things perfectly. I talk into the wrong side of the microphone. I mean, you guys, I am a full-on human who makes mistakes all the time. And am I going to go back and record all that? No, I'm sure not. Because you know what? It's okay that you hear that I'm not perfect. (laughs) Heck, if you know me, you know this already. Okay, so here we go back with the book reviews. I read Under the Whispering Door by T.J. Klune. Now, I loved... The House on the Cerulean Sea. We all love The House on the Cerulean Sea. That was an outstanding read. The characters were memorable and heartwarming, and it was such a refreshing take on a a narrative. We just, we dived in, we hugged that book to our chests. We loved it. So the anticipation for Under the Whispering Door was pretty great. And I liked the first chapter so so much. I think the first chapter of this book was actually my favorite. So Wallace is a lawyer. Wallace is a crotchety, narcissistic, um, probably oddly out of touch with human emotions kind of individual who is very focused, very goal-oriented. He gets what he wants, doesn't really care about human casualties along the way, and uh, and then he dies. That's not a spoiler. That's the premise for the book. He dies. A reaper comes to get him and takes him to the in-between place where he meets Hugo. Hugo is a ferryman. His job is to prepare Wallace for his next destination. Um... There is a lot about this that uh, I just, I was just not down for it. I think Cerulean C was witty and charming and he could get away with some fresh banter and some very fun characters because they were children. And we understood that some of the conversation, some of their ideas, even the way that the characters related to one another made sense because there were kids involved. These were all full-on adults and a dog. Um, It was just not my jam. 
I think that it wanted to be something great and maybe people are reading it and they are discovering those great things in it. I just did not. I found it tedious. I found it far too wordy when I think this could have been a great short story. Now you have heard me say that before. That tends to be um, a criteria that I have quite a lot. I think that books are far too wordy. Their inner monologues are just ridiculously long. Get to the damn point. Tell us a story. Don't waste my time. I got books to read. You know what I'm saying? I think Under the Whispering Door had some tender moments. I think it would be a great discussion book, but I also think it should be a lot shorter. Um, I like TJ Klune as a writer. I think he is very fun to read. I think that his characters are very similar in each book. So I would like to see some change in that. But then also, if I want to see a change in that, I'm just going to read another writer. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty much how it goes. So TJ Klune, thank you for this book. The cover was beautiful. Same cover art, um, artist as Under the Cerulean Sea. So there is some definite similarities there. Beautiful. Not really the book for me, but I'm very glad to have read it because now at least I can talk about it. <laughs> This is the thing, when you are reading books for work and for pleasure, it seems like such a great thing. People say, oh, I just wish I could just read books for a living. Yeah, but then you're also going to be reading books that you don't really want to read. And you're going to finish books you don't want to finish because that is what work demands. In that way, it's kind of like school. You know, for school, you have to get to this because there's going to be discussion about it. Well, if you don't read the book, you can't have a discussion. And as a bookseller, you do want to be credible and knowledgeable in the things that you're talking about. So you do read things that maybe are outside your wheelhouse or not your cup of tea. Maybe it just does not melt your butter, but you do want to have a seat at the table of conversation. I wanted a seat at the table for this book. I also really wanted to enjoy it because Cerulean Sea had meant so much to me. And I also really liked his book, The Extraordinaries, the uh, teen YA book about the superhero fascination and the LGBTQ relationship. It was an adorable book. So I was down for whatever TJ Clune was bringing to me. I just wasn't really ready for this kind of story. So not the right book at the right time. I think that's probably my critique for it. But I would be very curious to hear your thoughts. Under the Whispering Door by TJ Klune. Have you read it? What did you think? Share, please. I am very interested. Okay, another book that I read that I heard about on another bookish podcast is called The Invisible Husband of Frick Island by Colleen Oakley. Now, I was intrigued by this. What the heck is this book about? Well, it is just a cozy read, and it was just kind of pleasant. That's all it was. It was a little bit predictable, but it was just gentle and soft. The premise of this book is there is an island in Chesapeake Bay, and it has about 98 residents on it. It's a tiny little thing. And they live very old fashioned. They don't have the internet. They, everybody knows everybody else. It's kind of a tourist thing. You take a ferry to the island and then you take a ferry off if you want to visit it. Um, and 
Everybody there tends to be involved in something local, whether it is they are fishers, carpenters, uh, something like that, that contributes to the island itself. So we are meeting Piper. Piper is a very young woman who married her childhood sweetheart named Tom. Tom is a fisherman and Tom disappears uh, and they assume that he's dead. But Piper is grieving so much for Tom that she imagines he is still there. He did not die. No, he is right here with me. And she will go into a restaurant and she will talk to him and she will, they will have food brought to him. And everybody on this island loves her so much and they don't know how to help her. So they contribute to this imagination that Tom is still there. So they all waved him and talked to him and acknowledged the fact that, oh, Piper and Tom are coming and only Piper arrives. And so this gentleman named Anders comes to this little island, uh, Frick Island, because he's writing a story for a newspaper and he's looking to promote his own podcast. And he discovers that this story is actually pretty fascinating and he falls for Piper a little bit because she's compelling and natural and fresh and he's charmed instantly. Well, he starts talking about his experience on Frick Island on his podcast and his podcast blows up. But of course, Frick Island doesn't have the internet. They don't really know what a podcast is. They don't really care. So he's doing two things. He is having a life on Frick Island where he contributes to the community and he gets involved. He starts to really care for the people. And then on the other side, he talks about Frick Island and he's generating a huge global following about what is going on in this island that nobody on the island knows is being discussed. You can kind of see where this is going to go along the way, but you know what? I liked it. I like the book. I like the tone of it. I like the idea of this little island that, frankly, I would want to visit someday. And it was just a really fun read. There again, it sometimes it's the right book at the right time. And I know you've definitely heard me say that before. I think I've already said it on this podcast, y'all. So it's if it's the right book at the right time, that elevates it. You could read the same book in a different season and it tanks. So sometimes if you read a book that didn't work for you, like I'm thinking already about Under the Whispering Door, I'm going to try that book at a different time and I'm hopefully going to get a different feeling about that book. Because I think that if it's a a certain book at the wrong time, you're going to get a whole different perspective on it that maybe wasn't intended. So The Invisible Husband of Frick Island by Colleen Oakley was just the right gentle book at the right time. I'm very glad I found it. It was it was a very, very gentle read. There was nothing aggressive about it. The romance was super closed door. I mean, you saw nothing. You heard about no body parts going anywhere. It was just fine. And um, yeah, I mean, it was good. It was, it was good. Let me know if you like it. Okay, and the very last one I'm going to talk about today, because I think I have filled up your TBR significantly. Yeah, like... Come on, there's been a whole lot of books talked about today. And if this gives you some idea of what my October was like, well, now you can understand why I was not 
podcasting last month because I was reading. Okay, the last book that I'm going to talk about is The Paper Palace by Miranda Cowley Heller. This is a Reese Witherspoon pick. I'm not somebody who will choose a book because a celebrity says, this book is awesome, you gotta read it. I, I don't care who promoted it. I don't care if Oprah or anybody says, yeah, this book is a win, because I know that all of these books are chosen by agenda. They meet a criteria, they are popular because they check off a certain number of boxes, and that is not something that motivates me to choose it. I think so many amazing books out there would never get picked for these lists, and they are way more worth reading. So those little stickers, or the ones that they actually put embedded on the cover now, you know how I feel about those. Well, that doesn't tell me anything about why it's better. All it tells me is a celebrity said it was good. Eh, okay, fine, whatever. Way to go, Reese. But The Paper Palace, on its own, was a very good read. The pace of this book was fantastic. The unexpected nature of this book also was quite surprising. Now, this is a saucy read. This is Open Door. Um, this is definitely a book. Okay, if you are listening to the audiobook, I would not listen to this one with young ears around. Or if you have your car door open, or your, sorry, if you <laughs> don't drive with your car door open, that's dangerous. If you have your car window open and you are stopped at a red light and the car next to you has their window open, they're going to hear what is in this book. You might not want to be known for that. So it is saucy and is a little bit mysterious. I think the way that this book twisted and turned was was fun and different. So Elle is a woman who is, I think she's almost 50 or she's in her 40s. Anyway, and she is married to Peter. Peter is great. They have a couple of kids. Uh, the Paper Palace is a, a house that she has been going to with her family for years for vacation. And um, they go there. Elle's best friendhood, best childhood friend is named Jonas. Now, Jonas has pretty much always had a thing for Elle. And while they're adults, one evening, they each slip away from the party where all of their, their spouses and their families are, and they have sex. Yep. And I mean, this isn't, this isn't a spoiler. This is the premise of the book. This is what happens to launch all of these other things that happen. So there is L in the middle of a Jonas and Peter triangle. There is a lot of other stuff going on. There is history that comes up. You're hearing about trauma and tragedy from childhood and how that plays into current day. And can I just also add that when this book ends, I was like, what? And I wanted to talk to somebody about what they think the ending meant. This ending was very clever. I think, of course, as all Reese Witherspoon ones are, it will make a very good miniseries or film. But I would love to talk to somebody about that ending. Mm -hmm. So Jen, who works at the store, Jen, if you're listening to this, hey, she loves this book. 
if you come into the store and say, what's a good read? Jen will put one of two books in your hands in a hot second. One is The Paper Palace and the other one is Where the Crawdads Sing. And this one we did discuss and we had a really good conversation about the ending. It is just a really creative story. Um, I do love stories about normal people who make a mess and all the stuff that happens as they try and fix it. That is premise of so many books, but I love that kind of idea. So The Paper Palace, <laughs> very messy, and uh, it was a really good read. So I don't want to say thanks, Reese, because frankly, she didn't write it. But well done, Miranda Cowley Heller. This was a great read. All right. So how about that? How many books did you just add to your TBR? As you're listening, did you go on to Goodreads? Did you like click want to read? What did you do? I'm curious. When you hear these titles, what do you do? Do you write them down? Do you just nod as you're walking the dog? Or are you just kind of making notes as you go? I'm, I would love to know, what do you do when you hear all these book suggestions? Because as I look back in my podcast history, the episodes in which I talk about books tend to be the most downloaded. So there is something that you guys are really liking about books that either I'm reading or the way I'm talking about it or the ones that are being chosen or whatever, because here's what we want. Readers want the next book, always. Whatever we're reading right now, we are fickle as hell because we are reading it, but we have our eyes on the next book. Do we not? Yeah, that is totally our experience. So it is totally wonderful to have a TBR that is stock full. Like, keep that sucker loaded. Add a few books a day, add 10 books a day, I don't care. But the optimism in a TBR is so fabulous. And it's one of the things I love best about readers. The optimism, the potential for the next great thing. Readers are such a special breed. I am grateful to be there to contribute to your TBR. I am grateful to have added so many books to my TBR because of suggestions made on other book podcasts or from people in the store. It is so fun to think, oh, I didn't even know about that book. Beep, look, here's me adding it to my TBR. You bet I am. Okay, so you guys, we have so many fun conversations coming up and so many really interesting topics. I would love to hear from you. Please send me a message, an email, a comment, anything about what you would like to hear more of on this podcast. Because as I say about the bookstore, the bookstore is for you. The bookstore is for the readers of Edmonton to say, what do you want me to put on the shelves? I will put those on the shelves for you. What kinds of events do you want? I will create those for you. This is very much not about me, even if I'm the face of it. It is for you. So this podcast must be worth your listening time. What do you want to listen to? I'm here for you. We have a lot of fun things coming up, as I said. And if you would like to be on the podcast, send me a message. We are not using the podcast to simply promote people's books or anything like that. That's it. That's not what it's for. It's not a commercial for all those things. But they are for people who are part of our community. And if you're listening to this and you know a lot of our history, you are part of our community. So send me a message. I would love to talk to you. All right, y'all. That wraps up this episode. 
I hope you go and have an amazing day where you are going to read something awesome, you're going to taste something fabulous, and you're going to giggle with the people that you love. So whatever it is you're going to do, be relevant, be generous, and be unforgettable. And may your reading life be extraordinary. Talk to you soon. 